All right, guys, thank you for that. And we're going to welcome in our next live guest. And joining us today, we've got Tony Hatch from ABH Consulting. We're talking a little bit about what's going on in the real space around all perspectives. And Tony, thank you for being here. Well, thanks for having me. So let's dig, let's dig right into it. Yesterday, Bill had a really interesting roundtable on with Mike Bowden-Distal and with Thomas talking about if rail has the ability and if it's primed to take some really strong market share away from the trucking space. Let's start there. What are your thoughts on the current state of the rail space? And does it really have this opportunity to maybe go on a run? So um, just uh, about 10 days ago or so, I concluded my uh, Rail Trends conference where we had uh, four of the six CEOs and you know every all of the railroads, big and small, plus suppliers and whatnot, and some large IMCs represented. Um, and the conclusion was, yes, there's huge share opportunity. Uh, first, they need to regain the share they lost over the last two, three, five years. Some of that has been uh, because of just changing supply chains and whatnot. And some of that is because they've, uh, we're short of crews, as we all know, the supply chain crisis and their role and their, you know, their, their participation in, in that unfortunate event. Uh, so there's a feeling that they can regain some traditional rail share. Uh, but if you take a look at uh, new opportunities and there's a flurry of new marketing initiatives, they're seemingly woken up the marketing departments in the last uh, year or so. Uh, the biggest would be, uh, in terms of the directly answering a question, is the BNSF JB Hunt quantum effort. They see seven to 11 million loads out there, which would you know be effectively a doubling or more of the current domestic intermodal marketplace. So that's true market share gains. But the CPKC looking at uh, all the cross-border trucking opportunities in, uh, down in Mexico, uh, the, the um, other railroads trying to counter that, if you will, with Falcon at UPCN and at FXE, uh, BNSF, JB Hunt, and Faramex. So there's you know been a flurry of new things going on both in the crossing the border, up in Meridian, Mississippi, uh, all the way to Nova Scotia involving short lines, class ones and whatnot, seemingly having solved some of their internal problems, gotten a labor contract and whatnot, the railroads have uh, have sort of woken from a, a half decade slumber and are going to first attempt to regain share and then actually go and get true market share you know, gains. And I think there's a you know, reason to be skeptical, but I'm actually, I would bet on it. And looking at that situation, because even from truckload side, that feels like the elephant in the room no one's talking about, is if the freight situation improves, are these shippers going to go back to their allotments? Has there been any talks from these executives are, you know, uh, to imagine, are we 80% of where we used to be? Are we 90%? What would be a really good bench post to figure out if rails have finally recovered what they lost, if there is one? So that's a very good question. Um, so, so some of the share loss has been in you know, things that we're not directly addressing here you know, paper boxcar businesses and whatnot that they've that they've lost that things that could go in in either mode, but are sort of biased towards rail if they operate well. And I believe they're beginning to operate better. And so I think that's sort of a natural share recovery. People who already understand the rail, you know, value proposition when it works and it's beginning to work again. The service levels have improved significantly. Then the next bit is is folks who through intermodal mostly but not entirely uh, are going to try rail for the first time or expand their rail business beyond what their old tradition is. You know, the quite, if I'm going to put a number on it, I'd say we're at 90% of, uh, or, may, or slightly higher, 95% of the past. But, you know, that's pretty bad if you think about the last five years to have dropped, right? So they need to get back to that 100 baseline and then grow to 110. 
Uh, I really believe that they offer, you know, if they can offer consistency and if they can, you know, I think they can do it. Uh, there is a lot, you know, I understand completely anybody who's skeptical of that position. Tony, in 2021, in kind of the beginning stages of 2022, we talked a lot about how a lot of these shippers were using intermodal as a kind of a relief valve to their truckload experience, yes. taking a lot of that freight that wasn't moving over the roads and putting it into containers, putting it on the rails. And I think that that showed that the rails were a built up, they were able to operate under the stress, albeit it was a little bit difficult with their service levels. But it makes me wonder if now they say, okay, we got through that time, we were able to do it. What can we do now that we are out of this stress time and we have the ability to flourish? One of those things that has driven a lot of that is some big time leadership changes. We've seen leadership changes at Union Pacific, CSX, of course at CPKC as this company's merged. How much do you think that this now switched up leadership has to do with kind of these almost very optimistic views that a lot of the rail companies are taking going forward? Well, you know, I, I should have mentioned that and I really appreciate the question because I think that's a big part of it. You have a new and dynamic leadership at just about every company out there. You you didn't mention CSX, which is actually right now operating at the highest level in terms of uh, the the operating and service metrics that we get, uh, and is being run by somebody 13 months into his tenure, is 13 months into the rail industry, uh, Joe Hendricks, who came from Ford. Um, so, you know, that that's truly new leadership right there. Uh, you know, BNSF has got a reasonably new leader uh, in, in Katie Farmer. CN has a leader at about a year and a half t- years tenure also in Tracy Robinson. So you have new leadership and new management teams that they've built across the industry. And that combined with coming out of a position in 2022 when they saw share begin to lose in a you know, pretty poor 2023 till about now. I think you know that was a little bit of a, a wake-up call. You have new leadership. You have more aggressive marketing. You have a real effort spurred in part by uh, you know government hearings and whatnot to to improve their service levels. And I think you know we're uh, we're at the right at the side where the momentum is is shifted. You know, and the pendulum will swing back. You know, the other way, and hopefully, you know, they can retain some of these gains and not just be that outlet that you talked about. You know, when BNSF and, and J.B. Hunt and Quantum are talking about adding, you know, 40 percent to container capacity and picking up seven million loads, you know, that's that's an aggressive. And I'm just using that because they've been the most direct about this. Everybody has some program similar to that. Uh, I think that's, um, you know, a pretty aggressive set, stance out there that says that, you know, we're here, we're back and we're different and we're better. And we're not just an outlet. We're a viable, you know, complete portion of your of your business. And looking at potential headwinds, rail safety, there had been a lot of high-profile instances of derailments. Is there, you know, as we have this new leadership, this new era and growth, are there any concerns that any additional attention, or is this more par for the course, there's just more media attention right now because we've also heard about service? So uh, there's a lot more media attention after East Palestine. Uh, and, you know, the roads had come off of a period where they were, you know, in the front pages for supply chain issues with crew shortages. So were other industries, you know, warehouses and whatnot. Uh, but they didn't have regulatory hearings right on that. So railroads were a high profile part of that. Then they had the labor contract issue and then they moved into East Palestine. So they're, you know, the, the narrative has to be changed. They are, you know, obviously safe. They're the safest mode you know, on, on land, you know, transportation, um, you know, they need to get out of the headlines. But the, the more worry I have that they're actually having problems in terms of safety is what it what might be a government reaction, as everybody says, they have to do something, right? Um, and I think that's been sort of headed off. Plus, the government doesn't seem to be wanting to be active about anything. So, um, 
you know, the, I was more worried about the overreaction and response than anything. I think you, you are right. Well, you know, one of the things to think about is these new leaderships get a little bit of a pass, right? They've only, they were barely there when some of these incidents happened. You know, if you actually look back on this year when we're all said and done, it'll be another year of significant safety improvement. It just won't be recognized by the public as such because of, you know, Senate hearings. So the railroads are significantly safer than the highway. You know, when, when they have an accident, it's significantly better than a pipeline. So uh, they're actually, you know, that's not an issue, in my opinion, in terms of direct safety. It's more the issue of what is the reaction and perception of that. Final question here as well as we wrap up. Um, STB election year coming in. Any concerns that, you know, may it be a lame duck for any additional regulations? Or do you think that this is something where if I'm one of these new CEOs, I need to worry before 2024 uh, if someone's going to try to put additional things due to these safety concerns in terms of regulation. So, uh, you know, there's always that sense of legacy. Uh, yeah, uh, the chairman of the STB, Marty Oberman, is going to, uh, you know, he, he's just announced he's not in effect uh, accepting a second term. Uh, so that means there will be a position open. It could take a year. I think they're going to work very well for that year. Uh, one of the things that I keep trying to go back to is there really isn't a political position. There will be in the appointment if, they, if the White House were to change, right? The chairmanship would go from a Democrat to a Republican. But if you think about this regulation, we assume that that's a you know, Democratic position. If you have and what is essentially an economic fight between, let's say, Dow Chemical and Union Pacific, where is the uh, you know liberal or conservative position on what's essentially you know a, a value fight uh, between large, very very large corporations? This is you know not a traditional regulatory thing like uh, environmentalism or, or labor. This is you know so it's very different. So if you think about the change in the White House, would that change? the fight between the chemical industry and the rail industry over pricing power? You know, I, I don't think so. Definitely worth some food for thought as well. Tony, thank you so much for your time. Always great getting to catch up as well. Uh, looking forward to hearing from you again soon. I appreciate the conversation. Thanks very much. We're going to toss it now over to Kaylee next for our look at the weather. 